what do the ice bucket challenge, cavorting with the devil, murder, and the burning effigy of Judas have in common? Easter. This is Hang Your Hat, episode 10, Easter Eggs. This fortnight's episode will be slightly different than the usual episode. You can think of it as an Easter special. In this episode, I will be doing a top 10 of the weirdest, most unusual Easter traditions I could find from all over the world. Before you listen to this episode with the kids, I want you to know that this episode contains a few scary and violent themes, so please use discretion. Now, without further ado, the Hang Your Hat Easter Countdown. There are a couple of Easter traditions that didn't quite make the top 10 list, but I didn't feel like I could leave them out. So, honorable mention goes to Russia. In Russia, a lamb made from butter is eaten as part of Christmas dinner. It is called the butter lamb. That's right. The butter lamb. And the runner-up is New Zealand. In New Zealand, rabbits are invasive species, and as part of the Easter celebration, New Zealanders track them down and kill them. Giant Easter bunny hunting competitions are held, and prizes are given out for the most bunnies killed. Nothing says Easter quite like murdering a bunny. Number 10, France. Here in America, a giant anthropomorphic rabbit lays eggs and then hides them for children to find. I thought I would not be able to find an otter Easter egg delivery system, but I was wrong. In France on Good Friday, the Friday before Easter, and Silent Saturday, the Saturday before Easter, church bells don't ring in remembrance of the passing of Jesus. Instead, the bells sprout wings, come out of their towers, and fly to Rome and see the Pope so that the Pope can bless them. When the bells return to their bell towers on Easter Sunday, they drop colored eggs in candy for children to find. Where the bells hold their goodies for the flight home, I don't know. However, I cannot explain how the Easter Bunny lays colored eggs either. The French also create a culinary masterpiece on Easter Monday. In the town of Hawks, all the villagers take the eggs from their houses and bring them to the town square to contribute to a massive pan which is used to cook an omelet that is big enough to feed a thousand people and contains over 4,500 eggs. Number nine, Sweden. On Monday, Thursday, the witches leave Sweden and fly on their brooms to the legendary meadow Bakula to cavort with the devil. But no one wants Sweden to be without witches. So while the witches are gone, children take their place, dressing up as witches. Then on the Thursday the witches leave and the Saturday that they come back, the little witch children go door-to-door asking for candy from their neighbors. That's right, Easter trick-or-treating. Okay, maybe not quite trick-or-treating. The kids make Easter greeting cards and give them to their neighbors in exchange for candy or money. Unlike the American Halloween tradition, there's no implied threat of a trick if a treat is not given. Number eight. Norway. 
What do Norwegians enjoy at Easter time? Murder. What is a better way to celebrate the resurrection of Christ than solving a murder? In Norway, nothing! During Easter week, book publishers in Norway flood the market with novels called Krim, which literally translates to Easter crime. Since nearly everything is shut down in Norway during Easter week, Norwegians have time to plow through a lot of these books. During Easter time, sales of these murder mysteries increase by around 50%. Norwegian TV also gets in on the action, dedicating nearly all of their broadcast time to murder mysteries. There are even special milk cartons released during Easter week, printed with many murder mysteries. This tradition is thought to date back to an advertisement for a crime novel that was published on the front page of a newspaper, Easter 1923. The advertisements were published to look like news items and shocked readers that didn't realize they were ads. Easter in 1923 Norway was considered a time of introspection and repentance. Nearly everything was shut down, there was no TV, radio was off, but people could read. And the obsession with the Easter murder mystery novel was born. Number 7. The United States of America It seems like everywhere around the world, people like to bash eggs together on Easter to see whose egg breaks first. But in Louisiana, USA, it has become a competitive sport known as egg knocking. Egg knocking is also known as egg tapping, and it's known by many other names in many different languages. To play it, two competitors knock the pointy ends of hard-boiled, dyed eggs together with the object of breaking the other person's egg. After the eggs are knocked together, the one holding the cracked egg goes home and gooey egg-scented defeat, while the winner goes on to tap again until there is only one egg remaining. There can be only one. Marysville, Louisiana claims to have the first egg-knocking competition in the U.S., dating back to the 1950s. And the competitors there are serious. They have developed something of an egg-knocking science to ensure they have the least crackable egg possible. They have figured out which chickens lay the hardest eggs and at which time of the year they do it what to feed the chickens so that their eggs are as hard as possible, and, and even which direction the egg should be boiled in to make sure their egg is least likely to crack. Pointy side down, by the way. The U.S. is not the only country with competitive egg bashing, however. County Durham in England has been holding the World Egg Jarping Championship on Easter since 1983. Similar games seem to be played at the Easter dinner table all over the world. Traditionally, the eggs are dyed red for the tapping to symbolize the blood of Christ, while the shell represents Christ's tomb and the cracked shell represents the resurrection. This tradition made me realize that literally anything can be turned into a competitive sport. I predict that the next competitive sport to hit the Easter lineup will be the post-Easter dinner power snooze, and they will have special competition-style pants that don't need to be unbuttoned. Number six, the Czech Republic. In the Czech Republic, nothing says Easter quite like domestic abuse. On Easter Monday in the Czech Republic in Slovakia, men visit all of the women they love on Easter and whip them with a special Easter whip. As a thank you for the whipping, the women that were being whipped give the men that whipped them a beautifully decorated Easter egg, or whiskey, or in one account I read, a monetary bribe. 
The women that don't get whipped are often offended because that means no one loves them enough to beat them. The whip, which is made from pussy willow twigs, is called a pomlaska, which translates roughly to make younger and is pre-Christian in origin. Symbolically, the whipping is meant to chase away illness and evil spirits and bring health and well-being throughout the rest of the year. The beating is supposed to be symbolic, more of a playful swat than an actual whipping. However, I'm guessing that after a morning full of whipping and whiskey, the beating can get a bit less symbolic. Number five, Poland. What better way to be woken on Easter Monday than by having a bucket of ice-cold water poured over your sleeping body and then being carried, bed and all, to the nearest lake or river, where both you and your bed are thrown in. If this sounds like fun to you, then head to Poland for Dingus Day, but only if you're a woman. If you're a man, you'll have to do the dunking. On Dingus Day, it is traditional for Polish men to drench the pretty girls they like with ice-cold water, and what, for reasons I don't understand, is considered a romantic overture. The drenching starts at the break of dawn, but pretty girls can expect to be thrown in bodies of water, be sprayed with water, or have buckets of water thrown at them throughout the day. The girls might be able to escape the water by giving the boys ransoms of painted eggs that magically bring good harvests and healthy children. Traditionally, girls got their revenge from the water on Easter Tuesday by throwing dishes at the boys, literally throwing pottery at their skulls. But more recently, girls have been striking back with their own buckets of ice-cold water on Easter Monday. It isn't clear exactly where the tradition comes from, but there is some evidence that it is linked with the Slavic fertility goddess. It also might be related to the tradition of watering the corn mother, which was a doll made of corn that would make crops grow after being symbolically purified by a thorough soaking. A lot of historians also believe there is a connection with the baptism of Polish Prince Mieszko I, in 966 AD, since baptism with water signifies cleansing, fertility, and purification. Number four, Italy. In Florence, Italy, they celebrate Easter with an elaborate chain reaction that brings to mind Rube Goldberg machines and involves a 500-year-old cart, a fake dove, and holy fire. It is called the explosion of the cart. I read a lot of incomplete and conflicting accounts of exactly how this all goes down, but I think I've been able to piece together what happens pretty well. It all starts with holy fire, lit using flint from Christ's tomb. The holy fire is used to light a candle that is put on a cart that is more than 30 feet tall. The cart is ornately decorated and very old. Accounts of its age ranged from 300 to 500 years. This cart is then dragged through the city by white oxen to the square in front of the Domo of Florence, Florence Cathedral. Clerics and city officials then carry the fire into the cathedral, and Easter Mass is held. Outside the church, the cart is then filled with fireworks, while inside the church, a wire is run from the church's altar to the cart waiting outside, and a flare in the shape of a dove called a columbina is placed on the wire. At the end of the Mass, the Cardinal of Florence lights the dove with the holy fire and the dove flare goes zinging down the wire to the cart, where it bumps into the firework-laden cart and lights it on fire. The dove then returns to the altar of the church on the wire and the fireworks in the cart start to explode. It is thought that if everything goes off without a hitch and the dove returns to the altar, it is a sign of a good year for Florence. Number three, 
Greece. In Greece, Easter is a time for destruction. Greece has not one, not two, but three destructive Easter traditions. In the city of Corfu, locals stand on balconies several stories up and throw clay pots down in the street below. And these are not cute little clay pots. These are giant child-sized clay pots filled with water to, I guess, make them heavier and more deadly. In the pot-smashing videos I found, the streets below the pot throwers are filled with people. There are only small gaps in the crowds that the pots can safely fall in. Shrapnel from the pots can bounce into the crowds even if the pot lands safely. Frankly, I am not sure how this doesn't result in a ton of deaths every year, although it might. I wasn't able to find a pot smashing related death rate. I found several theories on the origins of this tradition, which appears to be very old, including the casting out of evil and pagan fertility rituals. The most disturbing theory is that it began as a symbolic stoning of Judas and a very real manifestation of anti-Semitism. There is a legend that Judas came from Corfu and that his descendants could be found among Corfu's Jewish population. This symbolic stoning of Judas was a very real threat to Corfu's Jewish populations well into the 1890s. The Greeks were not satisfied with a mere symbolic stoning of Judas, however. They also burned his effigy on top of giant bonfires called Lampratzias. Lampratzias are humongous neighborhood-wide bonfires made of scrap wood and topped with an effigy of Judas Iscariot. When it comes to this bonfire, the bigger the better. The neighborhood with the biggest bonfire gets bragging rights for the next year, so naturally every neighborhood tries to make theirs the biggest, lest the neighborhood be teased for having a tiny bonfire. Traditionally, teenagers build these from scrap wood. The problem is that there isn't a lot of spare wood lying around, especially if you are burning it every year. Brutal fighting ensues. Last but not least, in the town of Vron Tados on the island of Chios in Greece, two rival churches have an annual Easter rocket war. They literally fire tens of thousands of homemade fireworks across the town at the rival church in an attempt to hit the other church's bell tower. One account stated that the event dates back to 1889 when Ottoman occupiers confiscated the islanders' cannons. I have no idea why the response to having your cannons taken away would be to make thousands of homemade rockets and fire them at the neighboring church, however. Unless the original intent was to fire the cannons at the neighboring church, in which case it was probably best that the cannons were taken away. I have links to videos of all of these Greek Easter traditions in the show notes in case You need to see them to believe them. Number two, Spain. Who likes to dress up like members of the Ku Klux Klan and participate in religiously symbolic Easter parades? The Spanish. In Seville, Spain, they have a big Easter procession every year. There is music and parade floats and depictions of the crucifixion. One of the big events during all of this is the procession of the Brotherhoods. The Brotherhoods are big groups of men that walk from their home church to the Cathedral of Seville and back, all while wearing a robe and a tall, pointy, hooded hat. These guys are known as penitents, and they are supposed to be doing penance for their sins. So what's up with the clan outfits? Everything I could find indicates that the penitents' outfits far predate the existence of the Ku Klux Klan. It seems that back in the Middle Ages, criminals were forced to wear pointed hats and walk through the streets while people threw stuff at them and spit on them, 
as part of the punishment for their crimes. The penitents also don pointed hats and walk through the streets as penance for their sins, but they also cover their faces so no one can tell that they were sinners. Maybe it's just me, but even knowing that the penitents have nothing to do with the clan, I would still feel extremely uncomfortable if I was in the middle of a group of people dressed very similarly to a notorious hate group that brutally murdered people, ostensibly in the name of God. And the number one unusual Easter tradition comes from the Philippines. I have started most of these little Easter tradition segments with a little joke or a smart aleck comment. I tried to do that with the Philippines, but this tradition has honestly left me nearly speechless. I just cannot fathom what the people participating in this tradition are possibly thinking. So I am just going to come right out and say it. For Easter in the Philippines, people are crucified. People are literally nailed to a cross with real nails and real hammers. It starts in cities all across the Philippines with people walking through the streets, flagellating themselves with whips, raising large welts, and eventually making themselves bleed. Others carry heavy crosses. At the end of the walk, three crosses are erected, and three volunteers are literally nailed to the cross with long, spike-like nails. There are supports on the crosses that allow the volunteers to stand rather than hang on the crosses, which generally keeps the crucifixion from being fatal, but it is still brutal and disturbing to watch. The volunteers do these things in an act of penance, as mortification of the flesh to ask forgiveness for a sin, or to express gratitude to God for favors given. Despite the fact that the Catholic Church of the Philippines discourages these acts as they are contrary to the church's teachings. Suddenly, church on Easter Sunday and dinner with the in-laws doesn't sound so bad, does it? This year will be the first year that my family is not holding the traditional American Easter egg hunt. My kids recently informed me that they are too old to hunt Easter eggs. So we are figuring out what new Easter traditions we will establish this year. I am thinking a highly competitive round of egg knocking, followed by live action murder mystery dinner theater. If you have a suggestion for a new Easter tradition my family can participate in, I would love to hear about it. Please get in touch at hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com. I will have links to videos of most of these traditions in action in the show notes. Please check it out, but do use discretion. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate the show or I'll leave a review on iTunes. I will be back in two weeks with the next episode. If you'd like to get in touch in the meantime, especially if you participate in one of these Easter traditions and want to set me straight about anything I got wrong or misunderstood, please send me an email at hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com or you can visit the website hangyourhatpodcast.com. Hang Your Hat Podcast has been brought to you by jerworkincrafts.com. That is G-E-R-W-E-R-K-E-N crafts.com. You can visit Jerick and Crafts for DIY, home decor, crafts, tutorials, and more. Happy Easter.